This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners some really good information so that we can all make some really good decisions, informed decisions. Um, and we're, we always bring in local guests. Not always. Sometimes we have call-ins from across the country, as we're going to have uh, coming up in November. But um, today we have three local guests. Let me start off with John Welsh, Realtor with Century 21, Adonelia and Vasquez. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And uh, he's got some interesting things to talk about because uh, you have a background in uh, rural and foothill real estate. I do. And, and I'll bet you've sold some here on the flatland, too. Yes, sir. Okay, so we're going to talk about what are the differences in selling those, and more particularly from the seller and buyer's perspective, what do they have to look at? And to help with that, we have two other guests here. We have Holly and Matt Wadham. They are the co-owners of H&M Termite Control, right? Yes. All right. And also Bent Nail Construction, which... uh, Bent Nail does a lot of the uh, the repair work. Yes. Bend a lot of nails? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And how long have you guys been doing that? H&M Termites were on our first year, and Bent Nail were about 10 years mm-hmm. into it. Okay. First year, but I happen to know something about the family. (laughs) You are not rookies to the termite business. No, not at all. Um, I've actually been in the termite business for over 18 years. I'm third generation operator, so... All right, and I've seen pictures of you as a little girl crawling houses with your dad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, and then that's kind of how you got started in the business too, right, Matt? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. because you, uh, you have family in the pest control business, right? I do. Okay. And now your wife, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My dad actually brought him and his uncle in um, back in the day, and that's how we actually met. Yeah. So. That was at a company called Valley Pest Control. Yeah, my grandfather's company. Okay. Um, going back to John. Now, kind of interesting, John. You say you, uh, you were telling me you've been in the business since 2001. Yes. And... Um, You've seen some big ups and downs. So I have, yes, what, I what, have. Tell us what you've seen in the past. Well, it's it's the key word I would I would say would be cyclical. Everybody has to pay attention to the ups and downs and when's the right time and that's typically the that's the hardest question. Is it the right time to sell? Is it the right time to buy? That plagues everyone. Mm-hmm. No one is immune to that. And of course, sometimes you have to identify what you as the client are like are you the um, are is that right time to buy or sell based on the top of the market the bottom of the market or your personal needs if you're being transferred or you just had new kids and you need a bigger house i don't think it matters if you're buying right at the bottom or the top and besides that who knows when that is 
Exactly. And it's, it's, it's always a double-edged sword because you sell when it's high and you're forced to purchase when it's high. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do want to ask this. I see this on your bio that you're a past board member and uh, executive director of the Down, Down Syndrome Association of Central California. What, I am, yes. Um, or was, should I say. Pardon? I was, yes. You were. Okay. Um, and that's uh, honorable work. So how long did you do that for? I did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I was um, fortunate enough in, in, on January 1st of 2000 to have my youngest son born with an extra chromosome, Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, it changed our lives uh, dramatically and positively. And so I've tried to do my part to participate in the uh, raising awareness teaching and educating people and uh so far it's been a great ride and and uh i was fortunate enough and and blessed to assist and participate and be involved with uh, the down syndrome association of central california a wonderful group of people and they truly care about every uh human being with an extra chromosome in central california mm-hmm. interesting and also, you've been past president of the Central Sierra Chamber of Commerce. What did you do there? Well, um, not much of anything. It's okay. a, it's a <laughs> but you did with the Down Syndrome Association. Yeah. So when when we moved here uh, uh, almost 17 years ago, we moved to to a mountain community up near Kings Canyon National Park, and I was eager to be involved in chambers. I was involved in Chamber of Commerce in Los Angeles when we lived in L.A. and Orange County. And I thought it would be a great thing to be involved in, but uh, every every chamber is different. And this chamber is a very a social, more of a social club in the mountains. But they have their own property. They rent it out. They have pizza nights. They they have 10 acres with which they, they, they actually used to have a rodeo up there. Not much, not many people know about that. What town was that? It's in Pinehurst, which Pinehurst, is... Pinehurst, I know that. Yeah, right uh, about uh, a quarter of a mile down the road from the Pinehurst Lodge. I remember when I was much younger, I took this little hike up on this trail above Pinehurst. It was the neatest thing because you could... It was just an opening in the mountains. You could see the whole Central Valley and all the lights. Maybe that was pre-smog. So, uh, but it was kind of fun to sit there and try to identify which towns were which based on the lights and the configuration. It's a it's a it's a secret because in the Central Valley, uh, Yosemite gets the majority of the press, whereas Kings Canyon and Sequoia do not, and uh, that's why I like it because there's fewer people, less traffic, and it's a wonderful place. Well, whenever I work with somebody relocating. I think I'm a big advocate for Kings Canyon and Sequoia because I always tell them, go there first because once you go to Yosemite, you're going to be spoiled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about, or, or for, okay, you moved from Orange County. So what made you move to the Central Valley? You know, we uh, grew up and, and lived in the Burbs uh, uh, for almost 40 years. And uh, after our son was born, we figured that this was going to change our lives, and, and we decided to move to an area that we enjoyed vacationing. We enjoyed camping, and we enjoyed the outdoors and the woods and camping. And uh, We found a, a nice place in Miramani and have carved out a little spot, and, and uh, now we don't have the traffic. 
Mm-hmm. Well, there's it, occasional cow in the road or, or you know, yeah. a tree crossing the, the road, you know, but. Uh, or a mountain lion. Uh, we, we, we've had everything on our property. Mountain lion, bear, coyote, fox. Then yeah. your regular, you know, skunk that comes every night and oh, snacks okay. on the, the kitten kibble. and oh, great. <laughs> um, that must have been something. You got your real estate license uh, while you were in Irvine, California. Then you moved here, and your commissions got cut in into a third. Easily, so. yes. <laughs> must have been a hard move. <laughs> you know you know what? I didn't think of it in that way. I, I was thinking family first, and then the finances uh, would follow. Mm-hmm. You know, as they say, if you build it, they will come. And so we, we, we enjoyed the move. All right. Let me ask you about what kind of tips do you have for buying in the foothill in rural areas as opposed to buying in the in the valley here? Uh, what what should a as a agent for the buyer, let's say, what do you coach your people to look for? Well, that's a how much time do we have on the show this morning? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say, in a nutshell, the first piece of advice I would offer is a uh, uh, attempt to find someone with local knowledge. Because uh, a foothill uh, ranch type purchase is is a unique purchase. You're not dealing with city water. You're not dealing with city sewage. You're you're handling that and oftentimes managing that on your own. You're very self sufficient in that regard. Even though, just because you have a well doesn't mean you have you don't have running water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so understanding the importance of water, uh, property lines, easements, things like that. Someone in the valley uh, may not have the experience, the actual experience. They might have the test questions and things that they've learned through their licensing processes, but but that actual getting your fingers dirty and, and putting the boots on the ground makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So that would be the most important. Yeah, and that actually goes hand-in-hand hand with advice that others on this show have given over the years, and that is having local knowledge and local expertise is really important and a lot of times we talk to it in regard to somebody says oh i have a my cousin's best friend's girlfriend is a uh realtor uh, realtor up in san jose so maybe she could help here in fresno well you lack the local expertise and that's what you're saying just on another level heck i might be 35 miles away uh but if I don't know about wells, septic tanks, easements, encroachments, fence lines, uh, grading, it could be a disaster waiting to happen. It oftentimes is, and, and, and you spoke directly to what typically occurs is someone has a friend who or a relative who's in real estate, and they want to do them a favor and, and, and carry them on and say, well, here, do work on my behalf. But really, they're not doing anyone a, a, a good service because oftentimes it, it comes at a great risk. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, too. A lot of times, a, as a realtor, when you're outside of your competency area, whether it be geographical or types of property, it's a whole lot more work. And you got to really question, is this going to be worth it, knowing that you're maybe, maybe you went from being a great agent to an okay agent 
because you're outside your field of expertise. Yeah. And um, that puts a lot more pressure and work on you. With that, we're going to go to our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Matt and Holly Wadham uh, of H&M Termite and also John Welsh of Century 21, Adonelian and Vasquez. And I think today's intro music, Put Me in Coach, is very appropriate. It's like here you are in the 17th inning of the World Series, <laughs> and you still want to go in there. <laughs> You're not tired? Heck no. A seven-hour game, no problem. Just put me in. So, um, okay, yeah, I'm a little excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk about, once again, foothill property, rural property, as opposed to, I'm going to just say the flatlander property, (laughs) all right, stuff here in the valley. Um, There's a lot of things that are got have. Are really different. Like when you buy a home in a subdivision here in Fresno, Clovis, Tulare, what most people don't worry about property lines and easements. Um, and John, maybe you can tell us what is an easement. I'll bet you, being you're from the hills, you're going to know what an easement is. In simple terms, it's the right to drive through a particular piece of property. Even though you don't own the property. Even though you may not own the property. And sometimes you'll have a, let's say you have inherited a property that is behind another property and you need the legal permission to drive through one property to get to the one that you possess. And oftentimes that's met with opposition because folks don't want strangers driving onto their property. That's why there are legal remedies and you need to record the easements make sure all parties are in agreement and uh typically what'll happen is the gate there's a, what's called the gate issue because one person uh wants to drive onto their property free and clear and not have an issue and other folks will have animals let's say if they're running cattle on their 40 acre ranch and they cannot have the gates open because then the cows will be on the roadway mm-hmm. so easements are very very important um uh and you'll find that in certain areas so when you sell real estate here in the valley and you talk easements, we're looking at an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper with little <laughs> dotted lines on there, and that's about the extent of what you talk about easements. Because if you're living on a sixty by one hundred foot lot in a subdivision, nobody's going to have a right to drive across your property, uh, and there would be no need for it. But when you've got acreage up there and not paved roads everywhere, I'll bet this comes up a lot. So how do you, as a real estate professional, when you're showing a piece of property, what are the red flags that say, hey, maybe there's a easement issue here? Can you sometimes see a dispute brewing between neighbors over that gate? Oh, quite often, yes. But um, as you as you go to the property, l- things that will stand out is if the property is uh, borders a street or a road, 
then you have access and there's no issues. But if your property is off the beaten track, which oftentimes people, that's why they move to the foothills and the mountains, uh, you will have to uh, invariably drive across someone's property. And and what people don't realize is that virtually every lot, every ranch, actually ha- has already established easements for utilities. For example, PG&E has a right to go on virtually every single piece of land in Fresno County, period. You can't stop them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but they'll work with you, you know, as far as where to put the poles and, and so on and so forth. But um, those are the things you first look at. And then what we typically do is we look at the surrounding properties. We look at the distances and where the roads are to make sure that there's, let's say there's a road that someone carved in three years ago and and there's an absentee owner and the owner didn't know that the road was cut. And then someone turns around and buys that property and they drive on the road, and then a year later, the the owner of the front lot moves back or he visits his property and says, I didn't give you permission to put this road in there. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to do your research and make sure that you have proper access. And, you know, there, you bring out a good point. No matter where you're at, even if you're in central Fresno, there's going to be easements on every property. And, of course, you want them because that's the right of PG&E or water comp- or the city utilities to enter your property for, for lines. I had a home I lived in for 22 years, and Matt worked on it once or twice, I remember, in the <laughs> past. Um, but there was a big, huge grate out in the front yard that was an easement for Pacific Gas and Electric. Now vegetation kind of covered it up nobody saw it but in the 22 years i lived there there was one time where they had to do some big time work and they were out there in my yard for uh three or four days they had the grass kind of torn up now they put it back as good as possible but um i couldn't tell them hey this is my property get off can't do that because they had that right to be there because of the easement Right. In fact, uh, just in the last three days, PG&E has been uh, using helicopters to bring in power poles, either to run new lines or to replace existing poles. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a sight to, to see them access these these rural areas by helicopter because they can't get trucks or vehicles back there. Mm-hmm. How about property lines? Is it um, is that much of an issue up in the hills? Um, it in the usable areas, uh, it certainly is important. Um, oftentimes there are uh, fences that represent the property lines, but those fences uh, are put up uh, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, they're wrapped around trees. They go around creeks, uh, rocks, and the like. So typically what we do um, in, in our office in a rural property is we utilize metal detectors and 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 give a, a an honest attempt at locating the corners mm-hmm. finding the markers uh and that saves our clients a lot of money cuz typically to to get a surveyor out there and do that job uh it's quite costly i w- i was going to ask what does a survey run i mean are we talking in the hundreds or the thousands thousands probably yes mm. okay because the terrain is so mixed and depending on the size of the lot if you're buying a a half acre lot that's one thing but if you're buying 40 acres and you're going up and over the hills and far away, as, as Led Zeppelin put it. Uh, you're, they're, they're traipsing all over Tarnation, and, and uh, 
it's not that easy. They need specialized equipment to do an accurate job. How about um, water and moisture up there? For, well, water, first let's talk wells. Um, how important is it to do a well test before you buy? It's actually required for the most part. Uh, and, the, and the typical test is for E. coli. Uh, they want to make sure that the water is potable. Nothing uh, uh, of an organic nature has fallen into the well shaft or, or found its way because typically the, the well shafts are cased in steel. So, um, it, But if it's an older well, uh, and let's say even some are referred to as surface wells, let's say they're only 50 feet, 60 feet deep, uh, sometimes you can run the risk of, of an animal or rodent or something entering into the shaft and, and then uh, tainting the water. So testing the water is very important. And then when you test it, you can actually request other tests uh, uh, for different types of chemicals uh, and uh, carcinogens. Uh, most people don't do those tests. I don't know if it's for fear of what they might find out, but the most important thing is just make sure that the water is potable. And drinkable. Drinkable, Which is yes. what potable means, yeah. I think. Sorry, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a flatlander. Yeah. <laughs> um, water isn't just an issue for um, from the well, but also from a moisture standpoint uh, and how that can affect homes with, because uh, I would think moisture brings termites. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moisture brings not only termites, but it also can cause damage to a home as well. So what so. type of damage? Uh, fungus rot damage, um, water damage. Um, there's lots of things. Um, not only with the termites, but like if you have, say your, your house is graded a certain way and water comes and pools at the footing of your house, it'll, the dirt itself, it's moist, you'll get subterranean termites. So those come up through the soil. They build their shelter tubes, um, and they go for a lot of wood that has rot in it as well. So the rot, it is a living organism. It will continue to grow, and it's not going to stop unless it's cut out or treated and um, all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. so what what are some of the, the advice that you could give to prevent moisture damage? Um, well, the grading on the house, like I'd mentioned before, um, if you grade the soil away from the structure, um, a lot of times people will put in um, the flash wall. Um, it's a concrete berm that you put up, almost like a little sidewalk, so mm-hmm. water won't pull there. Sub pumps, which... Uh, we, we've done multiple sub pumps, mm-hmm. and for the flash wall, it has to be below the mud sill for it to work, so... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the uh, bottom two-by-four on top of the concrete. <laughs> we had a home inspector on the show about a year ago and I said, what are the three biggest problems that you find in homes? His response was funny. He said, first, water, second, water, and third, water. <laughs> so water seems to be the big thing that can cause damage to a home. Yeah, and a lot of times um, homeowners, you know, they set their sprinklers to go off automatically or some people like to over flood, but um just the water from the sprinkler hitting the house, you know, you don't realize, yes, water travels down, but it can get up into areas and cause damage that you don't see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, diverting the sprinklers and, you know, when your kids get out of the bath, make sure you dry it up. That helps, too. Yeah, that's right. Um, John, what when you're, you're in escrow, 
Um, how important is that termite report to be done on a home? Well, it's critical. And oftentimes, uh, like I mentioned before, it's required. Lenders want to make sure that when they're loaning money, um, that they're not loaning money on a, on a house that's, that's eventually going to collapse under its own weight because of the termite damage, subterranean or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another point is we're talking moisture, but because of the fire danger in the foothills, mm-hmm. uh, cow fire requires a certain uh, distance for trees, vegetation, things like that. And what people don't realize is that it's equally important during the winter and moisture because those trees and that shade will uh, allow that water to sit, pond. And then and people say, well, water doesn't run uphill. But what it does do is it wicks. Oh, so it yeah. will travel up. You can have one inch of water, but it'll it, you can go up two feet mm-hmm. up the wall. So All it right. it does run uphill. So no matter what you're buying, whether you're in the foothills or in the cent- central part of San Francisco, inspect the property. Do these things so that you know what you're buying. And uh, many times from a from an inspection, maybe you don't find anything wrong, but you're sure going to learn something, learn Absolutely. how to take care of your home. With that, we're going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio, where our bumper music is so good, our guests try to sing along with it. John, this is not karaoke. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep my dance moves to a minimum then. Please, please. <laughs> All right. I have a lot of questions about termites. And uh, uh, I've heard that termites are important in our society. Yes, they are. <laughs> Why is that? They, uh, well, they seem like they're called. It's called pest control. So, uh, if they're a pest. Why are they so necessary? Uh, well, they're a pest to us in homes and buildings, but in nature, you know, every everything has a purpose in life. Um, whether it's a spider, a termite, us, um, you know, the termites and beetles, they break down decomposing wood in the forest. So if that wood is not broken down by these insects, then what are we going to have? Just nastiness all over the place. So A fire trap. Yeah. Yeah. So they break it down. They they turn it to nothing. And But in the home, <laughs> we don't want that. Not at all. So. Okay. So... Let's take a typical subdivision here in the valley. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be termites that are living in the trees, correct. in the fence. Mm-hmm. You just don't want them in your house. That's correct. Um, a lot of times when you see an infestation in a house, the colony is actually not there. They just found something that they like and that they're going for, and their colony could be two miles away. It could be in your neighbor's house or, like you said, a tree or a fence post. But, again, there's something in there that they just, you know, it's it's like a little buffet for them. They're like, oh, I like this, so I'm going to go to that house. That's interesting. I like that analogy to say like a buffet. Mm -hmm. So that means there's something that we as people could do to not attract them to our home. What are some of those ideas? 
Um, well, for subterranean termites, those are termites that come up through the soil, um, the best thing to do is if you have firewood for wood burning or whatever, or even just wood you've collected at your house, don't stack it by the house. At least 20 to 50 feet away up on a pallet um, with some type of metal flashing because that's just basically saying, hey, here's some wood. Eat that. Now go to my house. Um, you know, moisture, like we were talking about earlier. You don't want standing water around your house. Um, you know, if you have any treated wood or wood that is going to be exposed to soil, you want it treated, um, whether it be pressure-treated wood or treated with a, some type of a fungicide. Um, if you cut a piece of pressure-treated wood in half, well, you just basically broke that treatment. A lot of people don't think about that. Paint it. You know, paint the bottom of it. Do something to put that barrier there. So um, paint will keep them out. I'm, I don't want to say keep them out, but it'll help prevent. It's preventative maintenance from a homeowner's perspective is what we're looking for here. You I know. like that. Preventative maintenance. Correct. Now, you mentioned subterranean termites. Mm -hmm. What other kind of termites do we find around here? Around here, we have drywood termites as well completely different. They swarm in through the top. They do not need contact with the soil. They're looking for dry wood um, furniture. Um, surprisingly, we've seen a lot. Uh, if you have an old old um, dresser or something, you can get dry woods and or beetles in that furniture. So If it's outside? Mm -mm. No they inside yeah, too? Um, typically after a uh, rain is when a, a termite is going to swarm um, or in the spring. And right now we're getting a lot due to the heat wave we've had. We're seeing a lot more in October and um, go going on from there. But, uh, yes, they are starting to swarm. And when they swarm, they're starting a new colony. So whatever they can find, if it's good, they will, they will infest it. So, John, as a realtor that's been in the business 17 years, Go back 17, 15, 13 years ago. Did you seem to run into many issues with dry wood termites as compared to now? Actually, it's uh, quite new to me. Uh, m most of my experience is with subterranean. Mm -hmm. And and typically what we find is is the, 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 the saying is earth to wood contact. Ah. And, mm -hmm. and if there's any earth to wood contact, even if it's your pressure-treated post is buried, mm -hmm. the inspector cannot see below ground, below grade. So my recommendation when we do these repairs is that we make sure that there's a concrete footing and that the, the concrete comes up an inch or two above the grade. And then you put a, a post, and, the, and then that wood does not touch the earth. And that, that drastically reduces, at least in my experience, uh, the infestation of subterranean termites. But that's the most common problem, earth mm. to wood con uh, uh, contact. And typically it happens where there's gates and fences because mm -hmm. typically the post for the gate and the hinges is right next to the house. And so they put the wood in the ground, they anchor the wood to the house, and now you have a connection between the house, the wood, and the earth. Yeah, fences and sub areas. A lot, I mean, homeowners don't go underneath the house, so mm -hmm. they don't think about what's going on under there. So, Matt, let me ask you <clears throat> the question because you do a lot of the repairs on this, and, and I know that's a very common thing to see a fence post or a gate post up against the house, and it's just buried right into the dirt. So you you have a freeway there. <coughs> Absolutely, yeah. How do you do? How do you what, how do you correct that? Um, you can install some metal flashing in between the posts and the house. 
Um, termites don't eat through tin. So that why does it taste good or yeah? Termites eat any type of cellulose. So um, that that breaks the earth to wood contact right there. It's just with it, some metal flashing. And that doesn't sound like a very big fix. Um, no, there's not not much involved in that in that particular repair. Um, just but but important. It is very important. Absolutely. So that's one of those things so where also patios as well. Breaking earthwood contact on patios, fences. Oh. A lot yeah. of people don't just think about that. You know, a patio is still attached to the structure. Yeah. I didn't think about it either until you just said it. So, yeah, a lot of times you see these really neat wood deck patios mm-hmm. that come right up to the house. And, yeah, yep. yeah. it's another freeway. It is. Yeah. They like it. Um, you know, yeah. if I may if I may add. You may. Um, with... With the earth to wood contact, oftentimes you don't need to have termite damage. That is just a red flag. Correct. That there's earth to wood contact. You may not see any type of infestation, but the lenders will want to make sure that 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 issue no longer exists when they wish to fund. So that's why oftentimes if there's no damage, you don't need to repair it, but you do need to put that flashing in. And I've had that happen multiple yeah, times. Flashing and or if there's earthwood contact, like at a deck or something, if if the post is sitting in the dirt, even though it's pressure treated and a lender is requiring it, you can actually go in, start to do the repairs, and then lo and behold, beneath the dirt, you do find the termites. So sneaky little guys. Yeah, they are. They're smart, too, from what I understand. I mean, to be able to build a structure mm-hmm. out of mud that can be a, an expressway for them to go 18, 20 inches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got to be smart. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've seen them to where you have metal flashing, and they've actually built a shelter tube from the dirt over the flashing to get to the wood. So when there's a will, there's a way when it comes to termites. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe uh, we should look at those termites and get some of our... Uh, good characteristics too because mm-hmm. they are a hard working group yes they are uh, 24 7 365 days a year and no lazy ones right no now. no not at all or at least that we know of right <laughs> um earth to wood contact where what i've run across a lot is where people build up their flower bed too high yes and <laughs> you rolled your eyes yes. that must be pretty common yes very common uh he, we both, I mean, even not from a termite um, inspector standpoint, you go up to a house and just being in the industry or in the, you know, working with the stuff, you're looking and you're like, <laughs> not only is it earth to wood contact, but you're building a box in front of a house, whether it's stucco or wood, putting dirt and watering it. You know, something <laughs> something's going to happen there, whether it's termites or damage. So for the typical homeowner out there, what we're really shouting to them right now is walk around the house. Homeowner maintenance. Homeowner maintenance, yeah. Walk around the house, take a look at the level of your flower bed, and if it's, how high is too high? Can you tell me, Matt? Um... Well, you don't, you don't really want it to go typically above the plate. Um, you want to try to keep it pretty level with sidewalks and stuff like that, um... That way, especially when you water it, uh, the water will run off and go down the sidewalk or go down the driveway or whatever. Yeah. 
Because stucco is not your greatest barrier. No, it's not. People think I have a stucco home, I can't get termites. Well, everything, even concrete, has cracks and expands and contracts. And when he's talking about, you know, having that grade, a lot of homeowners, you know, if they don't know, you'll have your stucco, and it's that little lip right underneath, so it stops, and then you see concrete. That is where you don't want to have your dirt above that area. All right. Thank you. And when we get back from our next commercial break, I want to talk more about tips for the oncoming winter and uh, and what we can do to protect our home for the realtor's benefit, the homeowner's benefit, and, of course, we want to not for the termites' benefits. Mm. All right. So we'll be right back after this next commercial break. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and helping us out today is John Welsh, realtor with Century 21 A and B, Million and Vasquez, and uh, Matt and Holly Co- uh, Covey Wadham. It's not Matt Covey, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Although he was the guy that hired you. So uh, anyway, boy, did I mess up. I'm going to hear about this one. So, um, and you guys are with H and M Termite control so we have been talking about rural properties termites let's now talk about home maintenance here we are we're approaching november Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully the rain starts pretty soon and um, what do all homeowners need to know or, or be aware of as the winter months approach to protect their investment well People often think of clearing uh, and having a perimeter around their properties for fire safety is important because of fire safety, but it's equally important during the winter. You Having stacks of wood next to the house or leaning up against the house, leaves that have fallen off the trees, pine needles, who lay, which lay on the roof, which get soaked with water and or snow, and they stay up there, and then they'll damage the roof. Your roof, if you have a 15-year roof or a 30-year roof, you can cut the life in half easily by just leaving debris, especially leaves. And the leaves, like we talked earlier, will clog the gutters. Then the water, instead of going down the downspouts, will go up and over the backside, which run on the eaves. And if you have a home where there's the eave doesn't stick too far from the house, even some manufactured homes are notorious for this, where the water will sheet down the face of the, of the unit. And then you get water into the windows. So keeping keeping things clean, eliminating clutter. It sounds like it's a clean issue, but uh, it's really a, a very very practical one. What do you mean clutter? Uh, clutter like the wood and this and the rakes and the sticks and the things that you think you're going to get to next week or the following week, and then after eight months you see that it's still sitting there in that same spot. Uh, take the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes, the 30 minutes, whatever it takes, and move it away from the house. Keep Let the house breathe. Let it dry. If it gets wet, it needs to dry. As much as we want water, water can be a, 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 a great enemy. And, and it creates, I would I would estimate, most of the damage that we, we find. And I, I don't know if uh, uh, these folks would agree with that, but uh, that's been my experience. So... Here's the biggest controversy you'll ever find on Welcome Home Radio. 
do you two agree with him? <laughs> Absolutely. Water well, damage is is, yes. uh, is pretty big around here, and, and, it's, and it's due to a lot of it, especially in the wintertime, is due to not having valleys clean, gutters clean, um, the corners of fascia boards get rotten out and stuff like that, which is, you know, pretty common as well as you know, Don. And, uh, I think you're saying that because you've had to replace <laughs> fascia board on my home. <laughs> I have once or twice. <laughs> that was fun. And, and um, it, it was those darn gutters. Yep. You know, they collected stuff. Yep, they collect stuff. And uh, although here's the good story about that. When um, I bought the house five years ago, uh, I told my wife, I said, why don't we, you know, let's just buy it as is, even though we got the termite report saying the fascia board is there uh, and, and it's rotted. But uh, we'll take care of that later. Let's go for the lower price. So we did. And uh, lo and behold, it was like four years later, my wife said, uh, you realize you haven't had that done yet? <laughs> Well, darn, Matt. <laughs> yeah. It's all Matt's fault. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs> yeah, home, homeowner maintenance is, is a big key, especially, you know, with regards to the fascia boards and stuff. Not only do you have to clean out the gutters, but, you know, it's it's good every, at least once a year go out and check. If you have chipping paint, if your caulking is separating, you want to reseal it, repaint it, you know, bare wood, no good. Just remember that, everybody. Um, and then a lot of people don't realize if you have a raised foundation and water gets in there and it just sits and it pools and you don't have proper cross ventilation, well, that water is moisture, which is going to cause damage to the subfloor and the joists and the girders underneath your house that you don't see. That's a really good point you're bringing out. So if you have a raised foundation, meaning Mm -hmm. you have a subfloor that you can crawl under, Not a bad idea to look under there once in a while and Mm -hmm. see, is moisture pooling? Maybe after a big, heavy rain. A rain or people who water and water their house. (laughs) Okay. You mean water the house instead of the lawn? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I have come across that where I showed up to do an inspection and owners are like spraying down their house, their sidewalks, and it's just like, ah. (laughs) From my perspective, it's like panic attack, but... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, and uh, maybe if you're getting a musty smell or mm-hmm. something, it uh, that might be important to look at. To yeah. See just have an inspection. I mean, pay the however much the termite company is charging. Just have a termite inspection once a year or every, you know, two years. Just because we're looking for stuff you don't look for on a normal basis. You know, you guys aren't going to crawl underneath your house, you know, and I'll be more than happy to. You know, Matt would be more than happy to, but that's yeah. that's what we do. How about you, John? You more than happy to crawl under the house? I mean, that was my first escrow up in the mountains, and we had to go underneath the house, and we encountered powder post beetles, mm. and we were about 4,000 foot elevation with snow, and uh, that was my indoctrination to uh, uh, pest control in the mountains, and it was a it was a daunting task. We had to do a lot of repair, uh, which was quite costly to the seller. And uh, but there was nothing we can do about it. Yeah, powder post beetles are not good. No, so, I, it's my understanding that they they reside in the wood, and then mm-hmm. when they're done with their damage, they poke out a little pinhole mm-hmm. to leave. So you don't even know that there's damage unless you see the tip of just a little. I mean, tiny it's hole. it's a tiny tiny hole. Yeah. And not only I, is it a tiny hole, but hence the word powder post beetle. You can touch the 
post or whatever it is, it touch it and it turns to the finest powder you have ever felt. It's really cool, but not in a house. How about vegetation, trees, tree branches and all that touching the roof? Um, well, not only is it not good for your roof, you know, you have a, actually a highway access for rodents to come in, um, but the vegetation touching the roof, the leaves will fall down. Um, but not only the trees, you have to think of if a homeowner has vines or ivy growing, that vegetation growing up on the side of the structure, moisture is there. And then a lot of times you'll get the vegetation underneath the house that people have no ideas there. No. So cut it back. I don't like ivy. Okay. It's not good. Um, okay. So what other tips would you give somebody to do in the next couple of weekends to go out and protect their home against the winter? Just reiterate on everything. Just make sure the gutters are clean. Um, if you guys do go up on the roof, be very careful if you clean the valleys. <laughs> Please don't do it in the rain. Um, secondly, just, you know, pull any, pull any debris away from the house, um, anything that's going to trap water. So that would be, you know, excess of tarps or uh, wood or just anything. Um, just clear, clear around the house. Okay. And, uh, so, so maybe in the next couple of weekends, take, make it a point to walk around your house and look, look and think like you were a, a rodent or a termite mm-hmm. or, or somebody, an unwanted pest in your home how would they get in yeah absolutely or even in your garage not necessarily so. just around the outside of the house mm-hmm. you know your garage your shed you know just just walk around yeah. and declutter <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay here's a good one i heard recently and that is leaving um pet food right outside the pet door mm-hmm. uh, so that means the squirrels the rats the possum, possums, the coyotes. We have regular visitors. We we leave. We're we're guilty as charged on this one. We leave a little bowl out for our. We have one cat outside, and uh, he's a hunter killer, so he keeps the the moles and the gophers at bay. And we're we're grateful for his services, but with that we get a a nightly skunk on our porch, and raccoons. Raccoons are wonderful because you they just pick it up with their hands and they eat it and they look at you while they're grabbing it out of the bowl. It's very cute. And then they walk over to the water dish and wash their hands off. Mm-hmm. Every night. Wow. And you think they're very cute? I do. I, it's, you know, <laughs> didn't you guys watch Pocahontas? It's Miko. I, well, I mean, I grew up with my dad, who was slightly crazy and an awesome guy, but we would trap. Uh, we would do deceased and live animal removal. So we would have the skunks and all that brought home. And, yes, raccoons are cute. Okay. Well, that's a great way to end our show with raccoons are cute. So <laughs> I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today. And I especially want to thank our guests for coming in and sharing your knowledge and helping our listeners know how to take care of their home a little better and what to look out for, and especially if you're buying rural property. So thank you very much to all our listeners. Take care.